You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. As what was said, I'd just like to begin by saying thank you very much for the invite, Stephen and Annette. It's great to be um, be here with you today. Um, it's great to bring the word, and I uh, find it an absolute privilege and an honour. Um, and, and, and as you know, um, we're part of this umbrella called CRC Country Life, and um, Narendra's part of that, and um, Kulaman is, so... That's what's going on next Saturday. If you're volunteering in any capacity, it would be a warm invite to come over on either the Friday or the Saturday. Now, Friday, we, Friday what's happening is we're going to be having pastors and leaders in our area. Um, they're going to be coming in to do the training, starting at 10am with coffee for a 10.30 start. So if you want to come over for a coffee at 10, 10.30 start, and then, then we'll go through on the Friday or the Saturday. It's the same agenda. So it's a nice warm in, invite. Um, I dare say if you let Steve or Annette know, um, they'll pass on those numbers so we can just make sure we've got that catering and those sorts of things. But that's a, that's a, that's a huge invite and a warm invite to, to each of you. Um, the first thing I wanted to, to, to talk about this, this morning was I, just a little story by way of intro. Um, a few years ago, my wife and I, Tony, we lived in, um, we lived in Brisbane for about, oh, i say about 10 years. Um, we lived in Brisbane and we, it was my first day of um, university in Queensland and, you know, I was, I was super excited. Um, I had my backpack on and and this is, the, this is the day where you would have the, the, the Nokia 3210 in hand, ready to go. That was the era, feeling, feeling pretty rad. Walked down to the bus stop and, and um, coming from country Narendra, I hadn't really used um, a bus a whole lot, seeing as I lived in Narendra, but that's okay. And, um, and I remember this day, I remember being quite excited. I remember being quite, quite pumped about it. And I, I remember getting to the bus rather early and um, rather early anyway for a uni student anyway. So it was rather early. And I remember when I got there, there would have been about 30 other people in and around this, this bus stop. And I just thought, wow, I didn't think... Um, this many people ever caught the bus, but they were primarily school-age kids, and, and and my bus came by, and um, and I didn't know how the bus thing really worked in Brisbane at the time. I mean, maybe maybe I was a bit naive, and maybe probably still am. But the bus came past, but I bit, but I didn't realise that if you want to catch the bus, that you have to hail it. You had to wave down so the bus driver knew. I just didn't know this. And, and everybody seemed to know this concept except for me. And, and I was there and I thought, surely someone within this group of 30 people, um, they, would have, um, they would have hailed the bus down. But it didn't happen. And I remember this girl, she came up to me and, and she said, I, I think that was your bus. It was sort of like stating the obvious. Yeah, I think it was too. And so um, my first day of uni, I, I, I did the walk of shame and I went back home and, and asked who we were living with for a, if they could drive me into uni. And, and, and there I was, a big boy, you know, I, I didn't know that I, what, I, what I was doing. Um, I was probably playing snake on my 3210. But, but here's my point. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to force you to respond this, this afternoon. No one's going to make you raise your hand. No one's going to make you open your heart. But, but I just want to encourage you from the outset to, to not miss the bus, to, to not miss the fact that God has so much more for us in our lives and, and, and we live amongst the crowd and an audience. But, but no one is going to force your hand. And then no one's going to say, hey, hey, all that. Because, because if you jump on that, 
It just might in a moment begin to change your heart, begin to change your life. There was a song a few years ago that, that was um, Trevor Murphy would, was, was really injured. You'd know, you all know Trevor Murphy. He loved it. it was, he used to play it at church quite frequently. It was just one touch with the king changes everything. You know, and I know that one touch, one moment, one instant, one interaction with him can change everything. So from the outset this morning, I just really want, well, this afternoon, from the outset this afternoon, I'd encourage you just to open your hearts. I, I, I don't want this, this, this teaching to bounce off your heart. So before I begin, how about we just pray? So how about we bow our heads and let's just pray. But Father, we don't want to miss what you're doing in Coolum and Lord. You know, no one else can do it for us. And, and, and we, we can't just be in an environment of faith and, and never put our hand up and say, Lord, I want that. Lord, Lord, we, we put our hand up today. We, we want to jump on the bus. We, we want to know who you are. We want to be your disciples, Jesus. And so right now, as we, we gather around your word, Lord, we give it authority in our lives. We, we place ourselves under it so that we can be instructed by it. And I pray right now for a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know you better. But, but above all this afternoon from the outset, we, we, we're not wanting to be entertained this evening or this afternoon. We don't want this, this message in any way to tickle our ears. No, no, we want to put our hands up and say, Jesus, we want to go where you're going. We want to do what you're doing. We want to respond to what you're saying and doing in our local area, Lord. We want to follow your heart this, morning, this afternoon. And we ask this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 34 is, is one of the greatest psalms in the Bible, if you ask me. And in, in, in fact, what's actually remarkable about, um, about this, this chapter is it's actually a Hebrew acrostic. It's, a, it's about 20 verses or so, but every verse is a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And David did that because he wanted to remind us and he, and he wanted us in some ways to be able to memorise it. The problem is I don't think David was thinking about English when he wrote it. And we can take that up with him later. But, but, um, but it's, a he, it's a Hebrew acrostic because he wanted it to be embedded in, in the people of Israel. That their first response to, to circumstances that are difficult would be praise. That their first response would be to glorify the Lord beyond their circumstances. And so in one sense, the, the first 10 verses are a song and the, and the last 10 or so verses are more of a sermon. But almost the, the first 10 verses are speaking about how good the Lord is. But it's also an invitation. It's almost as if the first 10 verses, it's, it's sort of like a, um, as we're reading it, it's sort of like a review of a really, really great restaurant. You go online and you, you're going, okay, I want to try out this restaurant wherever it may be. Remember as a kid, we used to think Sizzlers in Wagga was the best thing since sliced bread. And so you'd go on and you'd, get, you'd read a review about it. And in some ways, your experience can sometimes supersede that. But, but you go and read this and, and, and the reader, he, he, he's kind of beckoning us. Glorify the Lord. He is with you. He makes you radiant and, and he's, he's beckoning you in. But also it takes place in a, in a fascinating season in David's life. And I dare say you know this, that, that through the toughest seasons, the greatest things often come out of us. Through the most difficult seasons, you, you dig deep. You find what's in you. In fact, we would probably say that the greatest songs 
ever written have been written out of the most difficult of seasons. You think about Eric Clapton, Tears from Heaven. Like, remember that song? But he wrote that Tears in Heaven song through just tragedy. And then John Lennon, he wrote, Imagine in 1971 when the, when the world was in turmoil with, with turmoil with social political chaos. And he wrote, Imagine. But he wrote it trying to make people escape. And, and oftentimes that's how, how people write things. Some of the greatest songs do come out of the most difficult of seasons. But here's the difference between songs and psalms. Songs try and make you escape reality, but psalms embed us in reality. And psalms actually say this, is, is they say you don't have to escape reality. You don't have to, to, to imagine there's, a, there's something better. You don't have to imagine there's a better place. You can know the reality of the presence of, of, of the living God in your life right now, regardless of your circumstances. And that's how Psalm 34 was penned. In fact, when David wrote this, he was on the run. It had been the third time that Saul had tried to spear him. And one of the ways you know you don't have a good friend is if they keep on throwing spears at you. And David makes a decision to go on the run. And then he goes to the Philistine army, in fact. And history would tell us that he was carrying the very sword of Goliath. Kind of a bit of an obvious calling card of who you are. You know, you should really hide that thing if you are going to go to the people who you killed their, 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 their soldier. But he goes to Gath, and, and, and you'd know the story, a, a man called Abimelech. And he goes before him and he pretends to be insane. And I think you can read about it in about 1 Samuel 29, somewhere around there, and he, he pretends to be insane. And he does that for a good reason. He doesn't want to be killed. But everybody knows David. And the king kind of scratches his he scratches his, the, the walls, or David kind of scratches the walls and, and drools, and, and the king he kind of comes before the king, and the king basically says, I don't need another crazy person in my kingdom. Just kick him out. He's fine. He's not a threat. And David walks away from that place, and he goes to his tent, and it's in this moment he pens this psalm. The man on the run, fearing for his life, the kingdom being ripped out of his hands. You see, he was anointed, but not yet enthroned. And in the darkest hour of his life, he pens Psalm 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. You know, think about this. He's just been acting like a, a, a crazy man, talking gibberish. And now he's saying his praise will always be on my lips. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I love that verse. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I can't get past that verse. Taste and see. You know, um, in my household, um, I'm the cook. My wife doesn't like cooking, so I don't see the point in getting someone to do something they don't like doing, and I like doing it. 
So I'm the cook in my household. But every now and then, my wife will cook something. And I remember this meal. Oh, it was probably about 15, 16 years ago now. I was working night shift at the time. And um, we, we had to climb up about 15 steps to get into it. It was a Queenslander. You climb up 15 steps to get inside your house. And um, so I'm, I pull up the car outside and I open the, open the car door and the smell of a meal just whiffs into my nose. I go, oh. She's not a cooker, remember? She doesn't cook. She doesn't like cooking. So I was like, oh, next door neighbours are having something yummy for dinner. That was my first instant reaction. And then I'm climbing up these steps to go inside and I thought, no, 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 no. There's something going on here. Anyway, I open the door and to my surprise, my wife has, has, has cooked a meal. She's laid it on the table. I have never had mashed potato as velvety as that day. I can still taste the chicken in my mouth. And every time I read this verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. I always go back to, to, to that one meal that she cooked many, many years. She's cooked other meals, and don't get me wrong. So I'm not going to say one meal only. Um, she's cooked other meals. But my mind very go, goes back to that time where I unexpectedly got a meal that was so beautiful cooked by her. And I encourage you today, would you taste and see that the Lord is good? Would you allow yourself to taste him? Would you allow yourself to see him? Like his goodness is, is all around us. Would you, would you allow your heart to be captivated by him? Would you allow your heart to say, hey, taste, Lord, I just want to taste you because I know you're good. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And so this, morning, this afternoon, I keep saying this morning, I do apologise. Um, this afternoon, I have a few thoughts that I just wanted to share around these 10 verses. And um, three things that I just want to draw out and, and, and highlight it. But I, I pray today that it's not just me talking. I pray today that the Holy Spirit will move something in your own heart and life. That, that as I prayed before, that you would know him better that he would reveal himself to you to a greater measure, that you would actually in some ways taste and see that he's good because he is good. But number one, my point one for those note takers is praise is not circumstantial. Praise is not circumstantial. If you look at the start of that, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. And you know there's something you don't, don't see very often in, in the sporting world. I love sport. I love rugby league. I may be at the bottom of my tipping comp at the moment, but that's okay. I still enjoy watching rugby league and I still enjoy watching sport, whether it be cricket. doesn't matter what it is. I, I really enjoy sport. And so I watch a bit of sport. But one thing that, I, that I, don't, I, I don't think I've ever actually seen this in sport yet is I have not heard... A, a, a sports person, a sports star, give praise when they do bad. It's like you don't hear sports stars acknowledging the Lord when they've, when they've failed. Like, you can, like if you think about it, you can watch whatever it is. You can watch the Australian Open. That was on not long ago. And you could watch the Australian Open and, and, and you might see some guys who have um, they've had some kind of faith. And I can tell you, whenever people do well, 
And they have some semblance of faith. And, and I'm not being critical here, but oh, I don't know, maybe I am, but, but some semblance of faith and they, they win the grand final or they, they, they win something, they win the game, they, they make the shot, they serve an ace and they get interviewed afterwards. And you know how the interview goes? It's, I just want to give glory to the Lord. I just want to praise Jesus. And, and you know what you never hear? Well, you missed that shot. You failed. You lost in the grand final. Or you played absolutely terrible. And they come to you after the game for an interview. State of origin. You go down in the sheds. You're interviews, interviewing the Queenslander after they lose. Um, so that you can tell who I go for. Yeah. Um, you don't ever hear this. Because we're almost, you don't hear them say, oh, I just want to praise God. You don't. Because we're almost hardwired to only praise when our circumstances are good. We're only praising when we know that our circumstances are well and we're doing good in life. But what David is saying here is he's saying, his praise will always be on my lips. But what David is saying is let his praise always be on your lips. Really important question to ask yourself. Is there something in your life right now that is causing you to hold back your praise because you're waiting for that to be fulfilled? Can I encourage you? Can I tell you? Praise the Lord. Lift him up. Extol him. When you see nothing happening, praise the Lord. When things don't go to plan, praise the Lord. In fact, in in, in Habakkuk 3.17, it says that when no grapes on the vine, when there's no field in the harvest, when there's no sheep in the pen, Yet, I will praise the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord, my Saviour. He is my strength. Can I tell you, our default mode, my default mode is to praise when it's good. Praise when I make that shot, that one point. When I foul out, my tendency may be a bit different. My tendency to praise when circumstances are good. But actually, if we're going to be a, a, a people who praise, we praise regardless of the circumstance. We have to get to that point in our own faith that when David, that, that, that's what David would beckon us to in Psalm 34. I will extol, extol the Lord. His praise will always, underline that word, always, be on my lips. Point two, as we, as we exalt, we encourage others. As we exalt, we encourage others. Exalting that encourages others. I will glorify, glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Do you notice what happens when we glorify the Lord? It, it actually has the ability to affect the atmosphere of, of other people who are not yet in a place of victory. Let the afflicted hear me rejoicing and they choose to rejoice because it doesn't matter about your circumstances. It matters that we decide to glorify the Lord. And you see, that's why it's so important that, that on your worst day you find yourself in church. You know, like in my experience, of following the Lord for 30 plus years is 
I can go to church having a rough morning, a rough week, whatever it may be, and I can confidently say I've never walked out of the church in the same mood that I walked in on those days. But I know that our body sometimes says, no, don't go. But I'd encourage you, go. Because on your worst day, you find yourself in church. Find yourself in church because regardless of how heavy or bad or or whatever you're weak or whatever, regardless, the best place to be is in a place of praise and a place glorifying the Lord. And here is why. Other translations, translations would, would say that word glorify. They would use the word magnify. And you know what happens when you magnify something? It becomes larger in your life. Pretty obvious there. It's not like I'm stating any thing that you don't know. Pretty obvious. We've all done that a handful of times, particularly the boys in the room. You know, like ants and a magnifying glass. You can have some fun there. I think Robin has going off that smile. (laughs) It's very effective when the sun's out. But beyond that, do you know what a decision to praise and glorify the Lord does? It actually takes the focus off yourself. And sometimes we find ourselves in a place where circumstances are not going whatever which way. But can I tell you, let's glorify the Lord together. And, and, And you know when you glorify the Lord together, you have the ability to bring others on that journey with you. In fact, that's what what we do every single week. We glorify and we magnify the Lord together. And I'm going to tell you that this is my advice to to people basically on all different seasons of their life. Sometimes you just got to drag your body to church. Sometimes you just got to drag yourself there, get caught up in the atmosphere of praise, and then you begin to realise that your spirit is lifted and, and, and you become radiant. I remember when I was, I was a kid and um, whenever we would, we would go to, to certain people's houses and they had a pool and we didn't have a pool at my house. No, 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 we have a great pool in Narendra. But every now and then you'd get to go to one of your friends that, that had a pool at their house. And I'm sure you've done this, but, but every kid in their life has, has created a whirlpool at a pool at some friend's house. And, 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 and you spend 45 minutes getting everyone on board to run around in the same direction, going around and around and around and around. And you get to this point, you can sense it's happening. You can feel it in the, in the current in the water. And it's sort of like, um, yes, it's working, it's, it's exhilarating. And as a kid, you, you, you do it for what feels like an eternity. And finally what happens, it comes to the point where, where anybody can jump up and, and, and all they need to do is lift their feet up and you can be taken away by the current of that whirlpool. Be taken away. It's absolutely exhilarating. And can I tell you, this, that, that when you make a decision to praise the Lord, even the afflicted hear it and get caught up in it. And, and even the ones who, who, who come and are not yet in a good mood, me on those days where I, I go, oh, I'm tired, the kids are annoying, whatever it may be. We've all got lives. And, 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 and even as we, we go there, we've all got situations. And they come. I went. And I, uh, I, I'm not yet in a good circumstance, mood, whatever it may be. And then we hear the praise. 
We get caught up in it. And then we find ourselves being able to not but praise him and choose to to magnify him, to glorify him, to, to magnify his presence. So point one, praise is not circumstantial. Praise is not circumstantial. And then point two is, is as we would extol or exalt him, it actually encourages others around about us. And my final point today is we actually have a relationship that changes us. You see, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to him, their faces, radiant, never covered with shame. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who who takes refuge in him. See, do you understand what's happening in this text? do Do you notice the language in this text? By trade, I'm a primary school teacher. And so I enjoy looking at those aspects in the Bible where those words mean different things, the context, the tense. But do you notice something about these, these words and this language here? It's, it's all relational language that David's talking about. I called the Lord. He answered me. This poor man cried out and, and he answered me. Taste and see. See, that's experiential language that the Lord is good. And do you know that this relationship we actually have with the living God, it actually changes us. It actually causes us to become radiant. And and, and sometimes we we sit through church for a long time and we, we almost forget that. We sort of think we come and we do our thing, but but we forget that there is a a relationship that's extended to us that, that actually changes our very countenance, nourishes our soul and and, and lifts us up. And and David is saying this, I called out to the Lord. He heard me. I cried out to him. He answered me. He He delivered me from all my fears. And I'll end with this quick thought. Do you notice that David says that the the Lord didn't deliver me from the Philistines? He delivered me from all of my fears. I I actually think our fears are are far worse than our reality. And yet our fears are the things that that sit beneath the surface and uh, 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 are very easily stirred up. And like I always think about as a kid, now, I might be the only kid that did this. Some of the younger ones over there might have done this at different times. But, but I remember as a kid, I didn't have to sleep with the light on, but I remember at night time occasionally you would have fears and, and you, you would be in your bedroom, it would be dark. And, and as a kid, this is what I did, is, I don't know, like rationally now looking back, I go, what a stupid thing to do. Because it's, it's sort of like, okay, if I put the blanket over my head... <laughs> If there's an intruder, they won't hear it. And then I just have a little breathy peephole out, the, out, out there. And it's sort of like you have this fear. And, and sometimes it can drive you. But the reality of that fear is there's nothing there. Now, th- those that have been to Narendra Church, it's a big building. And um, last night I was even there just preparing the communion emblems for today's service. And I suppose it's probably 9 o'clock at night. 
9.30, it's dark. There's noises that you can hear. And, you, and, and your mind just starts to, starts to wander. Fear starts to increase. Now, I know nothing's going to happen. Like, I know that. But it doesn't mean I don't feel these things because they sit beneath the surface. They, 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 they sit there. But it actually says that he has delivered me from my fears. And to be delivered from your fear, fears is, is far more powerful than just being delivered from your enemies. Because the fear is the thing that sits beneath the surface, that, that dictates the atmosphere of your life and heart. And, and, he, and he says this, I, I called out to him and he delivered me from my fears. So, so I want one want us or wherever I'm, I'm, I'm talking, get the privilege to, to preach, is I want us to be a community of Jesus followers, to be able to be a people who make a choice to, to praise beyond our circumstance. To, to, to glorify the Lord that it might encourage and stir others. But to realize we, we have a relationship with God that actually changes us, that he, that he hears our voice and that he delivers us from all of our fears. You know, as parents, it's sort of like I've got two twin daughters. They're five now. But when they first started talking, People would hear them talk, other people would hear them talk and they would say, oh gee, they look the same, they sound the same, they're quite similar, all of these things that they would say. And I remember, me and my wife would talk about it occasionally, but I remember at the time thinking, they're so different, their voice is so different and their cry was so different. It was sort of like, as a dad, I was so in tune with their voice and I could just hear one word and I knew which daughter that was. And in some ways, it's when you have a close relationship with someone. It's like your father in heaven, he, he, he would, wants to be so close to you, so intimate with you, that he would hear your voice and know who's calling out to him. That he would hear the voice and say, yes, that is, that's Robin. Ah, oh, yes, I want to get so close to her. I want to be right beside her. I want to walk with her. I want in. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I just sense the fear. Whatever it is. Because what I do know is a relationship with God changes everything. He hears our voice and he delivers us from our fears. And one thing I know is the opportunity just to praise. I was like, oh, do I close with a, with a song? Do I close? Like all of these things were running through my mind on the drive out here today. And um, one thing that I'm just sort of sensing or even feeling in my spirit is he wants, he wants to remind you that he hears your voice. He knows you so intimately. It's that, that close relationship, close relationship because he hears you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you, wants to stand so close with you. But I, but I find that as we get the chance to praise him, and I dare say we'll finish with a song in a moment, and as we do, I'd encourage you this morning to even find a reason to magnify, find a reason to glorify the Lord, find a reason to thank him, regardless of what's going on, regardless, regardless, you know, I, Praise. I will praise 
his name, irrespective of what's going on. What's going on? I'm going to read those, next, those 10 verses again, and then I'm going to close in prayer, and I'll get Steve, and, and he'll lead us in a song, I dare say. But I'd encourage you, even as I'm reading those, those verses again, would you allow your spirit to interact with the words that are there? Would you allow your spirit to, to be reminded of who you are? Would you allow your spirit to praise him regardless of the circumstances? Would you be one that lifts up and in, 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 in your praising him, you're lifting those around you? Would you be one reminded of the intimacy of relationship with you that he so desires to have? So verse, verse 1 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always, let's highlight that word, always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. If you're in that category this morning, allow your heart to, to hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who, who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Lord, we thank you that you're so faithful to finish the work that, that you've begun in us. Lord, even this afternoon you're here with us. Lord, and we welcome, we welcome you into our lives more and more. Lord, would you increase our intimacy with you? Lord, would you increase our understanding and our ability just to, to praise you and extol you regardless of, of circumstances? Teach us how to walk according to your ways because, Lord, we know that there's so much delight in walking according to your commands. You know, Lord, I thank you that when, whenever we go through anything, you're with us. Even if we walk through, through, through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because you're with us. Lord, Lord, help us. Remind us to put you at the top. Lord, we want to serve you. We want to seek you with our whole heart. Continue to work in us. Continue to be the center. Lord, we want to be like you that no challenge can get us down. We can just choose to praise you. Yes, we can choose to glorify you, Lord. Have your way in each of our hearts and lives today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thanks, Steve.